The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. in New York, and here is your top five at five. A long way to go. Jay Powell laying out the Fed's road ahead after its seventh rate hike of the year. Following the Fed, investors also waiting on two more global policy decisions. We are live in London. Forget insider buying. This is insider selling in a very big way as the Tesla pain trade appears far from over. Plus, new details breaking overnight on what led to the downfall of FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried. And later on, a look at some of the stocks Wall Street loves the most next year. We're going to name some names all ahead on this Thursday, December 15th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome, as always, from wherever in the world that you may be watching. Good Thursday morning. I am Brian Sullivan. Thanks for joining us. Let's get right now to the markets and your money. And there is a lot of red on the screen right now, I am sorry to say. Futures, they are down across the board. NASDAQ futures, they are down more than 1% right now. Dow off nearly 300. Now, stocks ended yesterday lower after that Fed rate call. In fact, at one point yesterday, the S&P 500 fell back below 4,000 as investors listened to Jay Powell and then tried to decide if he was a true hawk or maybe just a dove in hawk's feathers. Same for bonds. Yield right now, kind of where they were yesterday, just under 3.5%. They're 3.49, you want to be exact, on the 10-year. Now, rates did move higher in Wednesday's session. That is until Powell began speaking. Then they fell back lower. Given that rates are where they were a few months ago, it's possible the bond market may, may be saying that the Fed is all but done with rate hikes. Something to watch. Anyway, remember, the bond market tends to lead, not to follow. Also, now that energy, oil, it is slightly lower right now, but it did rise again on Wednesday. Keep in mind, and we'll talk more about China in moments, if China fully reopens, it could add as many as two to even 3 million barrels per day, more global oil demand. You've also got the big Keystone Pipeline spill in Kansas, which has disrupted supplies. Oil right now down a bit, but still about 7 bucks a barrel higher than it was to start the week. All right, as we noted around the world, investors, they're awaiting key rate hall calls from two more central banks, both in England and in Europe. So what can we expect from each? We don't know, but Jeff Cutmore does. And he is in our London newsroom with, with, a, with a lot of red on your screen behind you as well, Jeff. Good morning. Yeah, absolutely. Very good morning to you, Brian. I'm afraid we can't help your futures market out very much at this point. We are broadly weaker on risk appetite when you look at the European equity picture. But I think a lot of it's about anticipation of what we're going to see on these interest rate moves. We've already had a number of central banks in Europe report on policy rates this morning. The Swiss National Bank kicked off a fresh day of decisions with a half a percentage point hike, warning inflationary 
pressure has increased and spread. So the Bank of England will be up next. We're looking for about a 50 basis point move from the Bank of England as well, bringing the base rate here in the UK to three and a half percent, which would be for us a 14 year high. Then we get the European Central Bank. It's set to follow with its own 50 basis point hike. Investors also looking for clues as to how the central bank will begin to reduce its balance sheet, that so-called QT announcement. And as you can see, it's not helping the mood of the market. So European stocks at the moment following Wall Street into the red and many of the greater China markets, all major indices, in fact, are lower right now, as you can see, with a median loss of about 1% across these markets. In corporate news, um, Hennes and Maritz lower despite the Swedish retail giant beating fourth quarter sales forecasts. Meanwhile, Unicredit in the green after the Italian bank confirmed it reached the ECB's capital requirements. And just to wrap up, HSBC says it expects its quarterly dividend to be reinstated at a lower level than it has been historically. Back to you, Brian. All right, Jeff Cutmore, we appreciate it. We'll await those rate decisions in a couple of hours here. Now let's kick it off with some key headlines here to get your day started, including more on Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX. Savannah Hanau is here with those. Good morning, Savannah. Good morning to you, Brian. Yeah, Brian, so new details on what led to the arrest of FTX founder and former CEO Sam Bankman-Fried. Now, according to new re- newly released Bahamian court records, one of Bankman-Fried's closest associates and co-chief executive of FTX's Bahamas entity told regulators days before the company's bankruptcy filing that SPF likely funneled customer funds from FTX to cover losses at the hedge fund Alameda Research. Now, this previously unreported contact between the former executive Ryan Salem and the Securities Commission of the Bahamas is the first known instance of a top associate to Bankman Freed assisting government authorities to bring down an alleged years-long fraud. The Senate unanimously passing a bill that prohibits federal employees from using TikTok on government phones and devices. The measure now moves to the House before heading to the president's desk. The move comes amid growing concerns that TikTok, which is owned by Chinese company ByteDance, is sharing user data with Chinese government authorities. And Foxconn is rolling back most of its anti-COVID restrictions at its iPhone City factory in Zhangzhou, China. This after widespread unrest and protests at the plant in recent weeks, some of which forced Apple to scale back production targets during its key holiday quarter. Among the policy changes, Foxconn is now ending a system that restricted employee movements between their dorm rooms and factory floors, Brian. Yeah, it looks like TikTok may get one step closer to being outlawed yeah, in America. What, what will influencers like. do? What will Silvana they do, Brian? I don't Thank know. Thank you very much. You got it. What, what, <laughs> what will the Chinese government do? It's hard to know. Silvana Hanau. Thank you very much. All those short-form videos. All right. Now to your global markets. And following the Fed rate call yesterday, and Fed Chairman Jay Powell all but crushing any hope of a major pivot in the near term. Listen to what he said. I think my view and my colleagues' view is that this will take some time. We'll have to hold policy at a restrictive level for a sustained period so that, you know, two good, you know, two good monthly reports are, you know, very welcome. Of course, they're very welcome. But I think we need to be honest with ourselves that there's, you know, inflation, 12-month core inflation is 6% CPI. That's three times our 2% uh, target. 
Now, it's, it's good to see progress, but let's just understand we have a long ways to go to get back to price stability. All right, so given that we are probably nearing, if not at the end of a tightening cycle, how still tied are we to the Fed? And do we need to start maybe looking overseas at other global events like the state of China's economy for direction? Joining us now is Seema Shaw, Chief Global Strategist at Principal Asset Management. Seema, good to see you again. You think we're kind of nearing the end of this tightening cycle and maybe, fingers crossed, being able to put our Fed to bed for like six to nine months, maybe longer. Uh, Nice to see you, Brian. Look, yes, the Fed is nearing the end of its tightening cycle. But although it's moving slow and it's getting closer, this this isn't really good news. Because what we've heard from Powell yesterday is that they have slowed down the pace of tightening because they're getting close to the peak. But that peak is going to be above 5%. So that's higher than what the market was originally expecting going into yesterday's meeting. And not only that, but they're not going to be cutting rates next year. They were very, very clear in that discussion point that there will be no loosening of, um, of monetary policy throughout 2023. And unfortunately, when you consider that you've already seen 425 basis points of tightening in just less than one year, um, there is going to be a fairly significant economic impact still on the way, which unfortunately the U.S. economy is going to have to deal with. We've been so almost singularly focused, Seema, on the Fed for the better part of a year. Once they are, let's all hope, because I'm just tired of talking about the Fed, once they are out of the picture, or at least out-ish of the picture, what then? Because the markets have to focus on something. Is it, is it China? Is it Europe? Is it energy? What is it? So there's going to be a couple of things which are really important themes for 2023. One, still on the negative side, unfortunately, is still going to be earnings. So as I said, there's going to be an economic impact from this very significant tightening of monetary policy. So we are expecting earnings to slow down through 2023. And unfortunately, that is not good news for equity markets. Now, on a positive side, there will be um, opportunities globally. So if you think about, as you mentioned, China's reopening should have a fairly important impact on not just China's economy, but actually all of their key trading partners, of which there are many. So if you think about the rest of Asia, you think about parts of Europe, they will benefit from China's reopening. So there could be opportunities outside there as well. So there are some good stories. um, And hopefully, as you said, the U.S. monetary policy one is something that we won't necessarily still be talking about at this time next year. Do you think it's real, though? I mean, China's making all these moves, but I, you know, pardon me, I feel like we've been here before and then they just lock things back down. This time kind of feels a little different, Seema. Do you think it's real? And what would be the global market implications of kind of a, quote, full China reopen? I think it's right to have a few concerns because inevitably this is going to be a little bit messy and chaotic. Uh, As we've seen in so many other countries as well, is that once you reopen the economy, infection rates do soar, which is exactly what we're seeing in China in the last couple of weeks. but given that policy that policy officials have been very, very clear about the intention to reopen, it's unlikely that they will go back on it. And you are seeing a slight change in their narrative. Uh, one example would be starting to compare COVID to the normal winter flu. So there are these kind of changes in the narrative which suggest that they really are quite intent on reopening. So when we get to that point, which I have to say, when we imminent, it takes a bit of time, probably as you get into warmer weather is when they feel more comfortable. At that point, we should see a positive economic impact for China and parts of Asia, especially uh, something like Hong Kong, Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, they are going to be key beneficiaries. 
In addition to that, Germany is another key trading partner for China. So we would expect there to be a positive growth impact for Europe as well, just from China's reopening. Well, I think not only are investors hoping China reopens, but obviously the people of China hoping that China reopens, they can get on with their lives. Seema Shaw, Principal Global, really appreciate your views as always. Seema, we'll see you again. Thank you very much. All right, we are just getting started here on Worldwide Exchange. And when we come back, we'll get more on China. And if this really is the beginning of a major rebound in the world's second biggest economy. Plus, after a very brief break, the Musk-Tesla stock sales are back again. But this time, under some very different circumstances. We'll talk about them, and you'll hear about them. But only if you stick around. We're back right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs and the small dogs who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. All right, welcome back. Well, China's economy and more importantly, its people certainly taking a big hit from its failed zero COVID policies. Case in point, look at these numbers. Retail sales down nearly 6% in November, nearly double what most economists expected. Industrial production down sharply from the 5% growth in October. Investing in things like buildings and machinery also down big. New construction fell about 40%, and urban unemployment rising to nearly 6%. After all, it's hard to have a functioning economy if millions of people are too scared or simply not allowed to leave their homes. But it looks like things may finally be changing for real this time. So let's talk about what it might mean if true and get more insight from Ginny Yan, Chief China Economist at ICBC Standard Bank. Ginny, good to have you on. First off, before we get into the numbers and what may happen, to the point that we made in the last interview, do you believe there is a real and, and maybe permanent change happening with China's leadership around COVID? Don't know about permanent, but certainly this is a real uh, change and tweaking and refining of COVID policies, especially as we head into the important meetings. Central Economic Work Conference, the two sessions in March, these are all very important annual and beyond uh, policy meetings that sets the tone for China's policy making. So very much indeed, the current reopening is here to stay. Now, of course, new challenges will arise, particularly with the new rounds of waves of COVID. So it's going to be a very bumpy road towards full recovery. Well, it appears that that President Xi Jinping and maybe the other the rest of the Chinese government, Jenny, not only is focusing on COVID, 
but also seem to be doing maybe a hard turn on economic growth, doing things like loosening up restrictions for property developers, kind of implementing almost a mini stimulus, as you will. It appears, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that they are focusing on economic growth in the year ahead. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that assessment. What you highlighted in the data released overnight and in recent weeks, certainly in November, we have seen a very stark warning in terms of the economic activity. The COVID restrictions absolutely weighed on sentiment, particularly on investment and consumption. So I think Beijing has absolutely reassessed the situation given this set of evidence. And of course, the slow and gradual reopening means that production, investment and consumption could start to resume. Now, what's important going forward is that the current accommodative monetary policy and supportive fiscal policy stance will remain. And that is the key and fundamental uh, principles going into 2023. Now, market sentiment is very much accelerated beyond fundamentals. And fundamentals are still lagging market sentiment. But potentially, this will catch up as the current waves of COVID is being digested. And of course, if we don't have any stores in terms of that reopening, it is very much likely that activity mm. will start to catch up with sentiment. I saw some, some stuff or reports that, you know, in try to indicate what would happen with oil demand, et cetera, if China ended up fully reopening. What is your take on China's impact on things like the global markets, global inflation and oil and natural gas demand? How much would it really change the calculus in the world, Jenny? Well, certainly commodity markets have already reacted on the back of China reopening and these latest new measures. However, there will be cautious optimism settling into the markets as we realize that this reopening will be a bumpy road ahead. Of course, also Chinese uh, suppliers of uh, commodities as well, and those involved in the supply chain of production will have already started restocking their inventories. So the oversupply and the inventory cycle in China will need to adjust. So I think a lot of caution against over-optimism. That said, Definitely, there are plenty of opportunities, particularly in the sectors mentioned already recently, yesterday, the guidelines on boosting domestic consumption in the years ahead was released. And very much the sectors encouraged are still very much the high-end manufacturing sectors, the tech-related and innovation-driven, as well as new energy. All of these sectors will benefit from the positive investment flow into China. Yeah, and all that secondary to what actually happens to the billion-plus people in China getting their lives back, hopefully. Ginny Ann, ICBC, real pleasure to get your views on an incredibly important topic. Ginny, thank you very much. All right, still on deck here on Worldwide Exchange, some retail opportunity for you, some consumer stocks. Your next guest says might be able to make you money even in this economic environment. That is next as Dow futures down almost 300, and we are back right after this.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome or welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Maybe you want to go back to bed or grab another cup of coffee. I don't know because stock futures, they are down across the board. The NASDAQ down about 1.3%. Dow futures off just under 300. This continues the week ending we had to yesterday's post-Fed market. So more selling than buying on the screen right now. Long way to go, but overall negative morning. What about some of the laggards? Well, we're going to talk about Tesla more in just one second. Baidu, JD.com, a lot of the overseas names in Asia are your leading laggards. Is that an oxymoron, leading laggards? Jumbo shrimp? I don't know. Either way. All right, let's get a check on some of this morning's other top headlines, including the latest on that severe winter storm moving across much of the United States. Francis Rivera is in New York with that and more. Good morning, Francis. Hi, Brian. Good morning to you. Yeah, that monster winter storm is on the move again after dumping crippling amounts of snow in the upper Midwest. And in the South, dozens of tornadoes wiping out homes and damaging businesses. At least three people have died in Louisiana, and officials say some 30 people are injured as a result of the dangerous weather. Overnight tornado watches and warnings continued in the South as the East braces for impact. So we are next. The man accused of assaulting Paul Pelosi will soon face trial. Canadian citizen David DePap assaulted House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband with a hammer in their San Francisco house in late October. Prosecutors say DePap shouted, where is Nancy? Speaker Pelosi was on the East Coast at the time of the attack. The trial starts December 28th. Paul Pelosi was badly injured in the home invasion, but is expected to make a full recovery. Now turning to the world of pop, the queen of Christmas, Mariah Carey, making holiday dreams come true for one fan. And it was this tweet that set off the miracle when Mai wrote that she was traveling over 5,000 miles from Uruguay to come see Mariah in New York. So it caught the eye of the superstar herself who responded, how would you like to sit front row? And just like that, she was there singing along to all of her hits. She called it the experience of a lifetime. So, Brian, Mariah is playing MSG again tomorrow. Where I was checking tickets. If you get up close, like a few rows away from the stage, it's like 3000 at least for a pair. So let's see who she invites this time around. But that, that come on, that seems like chump change compared to the Taylor Swift tickets. What is it, $3,000 just to stand outside the, you know, the the. the, the the, the garden and put your ear against the door? You don't want to even Swift. go there. Brian, don't go there because that is such a sore spot in my household with my daughter. Right. So we're not even, I mean, the trauma alone. So we're not even going to do that. <laughs> you're, you're Francis Rivera. We got to make something happen. <laughs> Francis, thank you very much. Sure thing. Good luck. Um, hey, all I want for Christmas is for you and your family to get Taylor Swift tickets. Francis, thank you very much. I know sure it's, it's a sore spot for a lot of people and they can't. We need like eight Taylor Swifts going around the world. All right. Still ahead, your morning RBI with some of Wall Street's most loved stocks next year and some of its biggest fails this year. Stick around. (laughs) 
not done yet. Jay Powell and the Fed hitting you with another rate hike, saying more still needs to be done in next year to get inflation fully under control. It's good to see progress, but let's just understand we have a long ways to go to get back to price stability. Why has Tesla been tanking? Shares cut in half the last few months. We speak with an analyst who says there may be more pain to come. And your morning RBI with why just because Wall Street loves a stock does not mean it's going to make you money. We'll get that and some of the stocks to watch next year on this Thursday as Worldwide Exchange rolls on right now. All right, welcome or welcome back, everybody. It is 5.30 on the nose here in the East Coast of New York. And I'm Brian Sullivan. Thanks very much for joining us. Let us jump right in or jump right back in and see how things are looking post-Fed. They're not looking good. The major average is ending lower yesterday, even as the Federal Reserve did what everybody expected and raised rates by one half a percent. Still, the market sold off and futures right now extending those losses over the past couple of hours. Dow futures down nearly 300 NASDAQ down over 1%. You know what also has been moving lately? Maybe it's escaped your attention. That is the dollar. The U.S. dollar index just closed at a six-month low. And Bespoke Investment Group notes that the first time that has happened in six months, dollar was rocketing higher and really weak for the last couple of months. And the Dixie, as it is known, DXY, dollar index, has dropped 9%. In just 90 days, that is actually a massive move for the dollar, something to watch. It impacts everything from oil and commodity prices to everything else. Keep an eye on the U.S. dollar. Well, speaking of going down, have you been watching shares of Tesla lately? They've lost nearly half their value in just the last 90 days as well, closing below $500 billion for the first time in more than two years. Keep in mind, Tesla which is at 152 and change, was a $400 stock just a year ago. At an insult to injury and making weary investors even more so, new filings overnight show that Elon Musk sold another $3.5 billion worth of Tesla stock in the three days, in the last three days, rather. That marks his second such sale since buying Twitter in late October. Remember, he's got to raise the money to buy Twitter somewhere. He'd been selling Tesla to do it. In all, Musk has sold more than $39 billion worth of Tesla shares since the company's stock peaked in November of last year. So where does Tesla go from here? Joining us now is Craig Irwin of Roth Capital. He has been a longtime bear on Tesla. Craig, thanks for joining us. Really two ways to look at this. I know investors are angry. If you bought above where it is today, you've lost a lot of money. But then maybe bears like you would say, yeah, it's down but it should never have been valued where it was in the first place, which, by the way, at one point, I believe, was worth more than every car company in the world combined. Yeah, there, there have been days where moves in the stock have uh, exceeded the value of, you know, historic names like General Motors, right? So Tesla has been egregiously overvalued for the last couple of years based on hype on things that we do not see as real, like robo-taxis. You know, playing up a software angle where, frankly, the optical illusions that these systems are seeing on such a frequent basis are really the root cause behind these catastrophic accidents 
Um, and wow. that kind of exaggeration and, and, and press on hyperbole um, to drive evaluation has been reckless and irresponsible. We've been consistent in saying that Tesla should not be worth than more, more than Toyota. Toyota has produced an order of magnitude more vehicles than Tesla and does not Tesla does not have anything that Toyota does not have already yeah. and could market. Toyota is just a more conservative company that has a long-term vision of protecting its balance sheet, um, different risk appetite than, than Tesla. So, you know, what's going on now does not surprise me. My price target is $85. You know, I expect that, you know, while Tesla did a tremendous job creating the electric vehicle market, um, you're going to see a lot of things continue to evolve um, there's going to be great growth, but um, you know, yeah. growth is underperforming. The competitors are doing really well, um, you know, and you have a probable uh, new so, CEO in the next couple months. Can't be good for the stock. So, so your price target indicates almost, almost another halving of the stock. Can we talk about I mean, Musk? It's also tension for Twitter. The left loved him. Now the left hates him. He's got like 75 other companies, whatever. Has anybody, I haven't heard anyone actually say, Craig, how Teslas are selling. Everybody talks about everything else around Tesla except, hey, is anyone buying the car? How are sales doing? So sales are great if you want to step back, right? 45% growth uh, this year is tremendous, right? That is the electric vehicle market. That is the market that... uh, you know, Elon Musk basically created, he forced everybody else into this game. So sales are great, but it's not about how great they are. It's about how they are versus expectations. Expectations were higher. So they're having to discount to drive volumes in the fourth quarter. They've cut the price in North America by, by about, um, what is it, $3,700 and 50 cents, sorry, $3,750 uh, per car. Um, that's half of the expected federal subsidy we're going to get from the IRA in, 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 in 23. Um, in China, the price cut's actually been larger. It's somewhere between um, 5 and 9.5%. Again, to stimulate December deliveries, they cut their actual delivery, um, sorry, they cut their production numbers in December in China by, by 20%. So the growth yeah. rate is flagging versus expectations. And it's really an expectations game that matter, the first derivative, the second derivative on Wall Street that drives valuation. Things are slowing down for Tesla. Competitors are eating their lunch. Um, competitors are coming out with much more attractive models. Um, Tesla's, Tesla's facing real issues and real risks that it hasn't faced over the last several years. Yeah. I saw my first Rivian SUV literally yesterday. I'm seeing all these cars. I'm like, what's that? Oh, wait a minute. That's a Lucid Air Cars I've never seen before now starting to hit the road. Craig Irwin, Bear on Tesla. We appreciate your views. $85 target. Thanks, Craig. Have a great day. Thank you. All right. Let's step outside of the markets for a moment. Get a check on some of this morning's top headlines you might have missed. I mean, hey, you probably just woke up, right? Including the government's looming shutdown seemingly avoided for now. You know what's not shut down, Silvana? Us. You and I. We are not. We are wide open and ready for business. We are ready for business, Brian, and we're ready to update everyone on what's news this morning. All right, Brian, so let's start with the House approving a short-term measure to fund the federal government ahead of tomorrow's deadline. Nine Republicans joining Democrats in approving that measure, which gives Congress more time to finalize a larger, longer-term spending package. The short-term measure now heads to the Senate, where leaders plan to bring it to the floor as soon as today. 
The SEC voting to move forward with some of the biggest proposals to overhaul the U.S. stock market in nearly two decades. The proposals include requiring trading firms to directly compete to execute trades from retail investors to boost competition and offer investors better prices. The plan also calls for trading increments and access fees on exchanges be lowered. And Warner Brothers Discovery says it expects to take bigger charges related to its restructuring costs following the combination of Discovery and AT&T's Warner Media. The company raising expectations of costs related to content write-offs by $1 billion to $3.5 billion, Brian. You know what that means, right? Higher prices probably wow. for us. Wait, prices are going up? Oh, yeah, for everything. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. Right, for everything. But, but the official data... The, the true story, Silvana. I went to, I don't want to name the brand, okay. a fast food restaurant with mm-hmm. my son the other day. And I got myself a, a chicken sandwich. And I've had this chicken sandwich many times. Not only had the price gone up, I'm not joking, Silvana. I'm listening. If I'm telling you the mm-hmm. chicken sandwich shrunk by a half, I, I thought it was a joke. It was like, it was like, a, it was like a shot Yikes. of chicken sandwich. I've 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 also noticed uh, smaller portions at um, at certain places. Same price. Everything's turned into White Castle. Yeah. <laughs> for like twice the price. Yeah. Savannah now. Thank you very much. I'm not going to throw that chicken sandwich <laughs> under the bus or the clown that represents the company that. Oh wait a minute, Savannah. Thank you. All right, consumers gearing up for the final stretch of the holiday shopping season. And investors also gearing up for a fresh read on retail. November retail sales numbers due out at 8.30 this morning. Analysts anticipating a slight dip from October despite a strong Black Friday sales. Let's check into the uh, retail outlook with Brian Nagel, senior equity research analyst in retail hardlines and broadlines at Oppenheimer. Brian, do we have any indication right now what the holiday and Christmas shopping season is going to look like? I have no clue. Good morning, Brian. So, you know, look, it's, what's really interesting here, and I'm talking about this a lot with our clients because obviously it's that time of year, but so far, you know, the data we see, we get it piecemeal, that uh, suggests that the holiday season is off to a decent start. You know, we saw a number of reports from various sources, you know, saying over the Black Friday, you know, the Thanksgiving weekend, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, that whole, you know, collection of days, if you will, you know, that in-store and online, generally speaking, sales have tracked well. We've also had a number of uh, companies, just given the funny reporting dates of these, these retailers, a number of these companies report uh, recently, and most of them are talking up the beginning of the holiday selling season. So, like you said, we'll get this retail sales report today. It's another data point to a little, to a certain extent, anti-climatic. We've heard a lot of this data. But generally speaking, to answer your question, retail, the, the holiday season has seemed to start decent. You know, we always, when we talk about retail, Brian, we're CNBC. We always talk about, you know, Walmart, Target, Home Depot. And I, and I get it. Those are the big names. They're owned by everybody. But you know what? To me, that's boring. But I'm also a little bit of a lunatic. Let's change it. Let's talk about some other names. We got a lot of viewers right now. And I know a couple of them, by the way. Hi, Josh, who is at a Lifetime Fitness right now, running on the treadmill, watching this show. He texted me the other day. I said, is it busy? He said it's absolutely packed. This is at 5.45 in the morning. Lifetime, LTH, is a name you like. Do you believe that gyms are back? 
Absolutely. So if I wasn't doing your show right now, I would also be at Lifetime getting my workout in. So, yes, I, I look like LTH, the symbol. It's one of my fa- I, what I call is one of my favorite economic reopening stories across consumer. I think they have a phenomenal product. Uh, recently entered new, the New York market more aggressively with some great locations. But really what Lifetime is doing in the gym space is very similar you know, to what companies like Home Depot did. And home improvement many years ago, and that is you'll know, bring a much better, yeah. more much more inclusive offering to what has been a fragmented, not that great a space. So definitely, LTH is one of our favorite names here, particularly looking into 2023. And, and then very quickly, what is arguably my my kids' favorite store, and that is Five Below, because if they want a 10 pound bag of Mike and Ike for a couple of bucks, that's that tends to be where we end up. What do you like about Five? Well, five. I mean, I mean there's, a, there's a number of data, another number of key points here that support our positive pieces on five below. But one of which they're continuing to successfully open stores. They're phenomenal merchants. They've got a value bank. So for consumers that are looking to sort of say save money, five below offers that opportunity. They gave you the, the audio hook, Brian. I apologize. Yeah. It's like the vaudeville hook, you know, with the music. By the way, we'll see it lifetime and. And, and kudos out to everybody, whether wherever you are, out there grinding on the treadmill at this hour. Good work. Thank you very much, Thanks, Brian Nagel. Right on deck. So how have some top analyst top picks done this year? Well, the hint is not good. We'll talk about it and lay out some Wall Street favorites for next year. It's your morning RBI, and it is next, right here on Worldwide Exchange. All right, today's RBI is all about stocks and opportunity and maybe about a good investing lesson because it's the time of year where analysts start to roll out their top picks or their best ideas list, some of their single favorite ideas in the entire market, the ones they consider very high conviction. So they get a lot of attention. But do these best ideas always work and make you money? The answer, not this year. While there are way too many single stocks to single out, we're going to highlight a few best ideas gone wrong this year. And we're not going to pick on any specific analysts. It's been a rough year for most stocks. But look at this. Some of the top picks for this year, they've been total dogs. Okay? And we just picked out some of the random names out of many we could. Disney lost 38%. Top pick of more than one analyst. Amazon, a lot of analysts had it their top pick. All it's done is lost you half your money. Restoration hardware, the same. Facebook, a lot of analysts loved it, down 62%. And Rivian, we just referenced that. Rivian's down 76%, a top pick of at least one analyst out there. And those are just five out of a bunch of stocks. These are terrible returns. And yes, we realize the overall market was down big this year, but good grief. All right. There were some winners, by the way among the top picks. And you can imagine what group they were in. Yep, mostly energy. And those who dared to go long and strong in oil and gas, they were rewarded. Look at this. Schlumberger, now known as SLB, up 70%. Chenier, man, we've talked about that, the LNG company a lot, up 62%. And ConocoPhillips, up 57 along with AES, up 20 The only non-utility or oil and gas stock in there is Vertex Pharma, was a top pick of at least one analyst of 43%. Now, there may be more out there. Let us know. But these are just some of the stocks that we have been tracking. By the way, the median return of a best idea stock was a drop of 20%. That's not good. All right. 
enough with this year. It stunk. What about next year? All right. So we're putting together a new list. And by the way, if he's listening, a shout out to my colleague, Michael Bloom. Michael, hello for doing a great job in collecting all this data. I'm just freeloading and free riding off your hard work. And while there are many, too many names to fully name, we picked out the 10 biggest stocks by market cap, which have so far popped up on an analyst or analyst's top picks list. There they are. If you're on your car driving, I'm going to name them. Alphabet, Amazon, Tesla, NVIDIA, some company called Comcast. You go, Comcast. Raytheon, Netflix, Qualcomm, and Boeing. Again, just a small slice of stocks that have popped up on best ideas lists so far. But those are some of the big names that Wall Street loves heading into next year. I hope that's random but profitable. We'll find out in like 12 months from now. We're back in a moment. All right, welcome back. It is time now for your WEX wrap-up. Six stories you might have missed as we close in on the 6 o'clock hour. Here we go. An FTS executive told Bahamian regulators that Sam Bankman-Fried likely funneled customer funds from FTX to cover losses at his hedge fund, Alameda Research. This is he also reportedly used client money to make large political donations. Tesla stock down again as Elon Musk saw another $3.5 billion in company stock. Tesla set to open with a market cap below $500 billion for the first time in two years. Home builder Lennar also lower. It is warning of a slowdown in orders for new homes and forecasting a weak first quarter next year. The Senate passing a bill banning federal employees from using TikTok on their government devices over national security concerns. The measure will now head to the House. Speaking of China, retail sales in November falling far more than expected while industrial production missing forecast by more than 1%. Finally, Goldman Sachs considering shrinking the bonus pool for its more than 3,000 bankers by at least 40% this year. All this, CEO David Solomon looks to navigate rising rates and a slowing economy and a possible recession next year. All right, now let's wrap up what to watch today. Several key pieces of economic data on tap all rolling out at 8.30 this morning, initial jobless claims, the retail sales numbers, and more. And ahead of that, a pair of central bank decisions overseas. The ECB and the Bank of England set to make their rate calls coming up here in a very few short amount of time. You've also, we're not totally done with corporate earnings. Adobe set to release its numbers as well. All right, let's talk about the entire macro setup, post-fed takeaways, and bring in Reese Williams chief strategist and chief investment officer at Spouting Rock Asset Management, as well as Brian Railing, head of global fixed income strategy at Wells Fargo Investment Institute. Brian, first to you, your take on the Fed. Is it done or close to done raising rates? And has the bond market already priced everything in? I think the bond market's priced most things in, but the Fed, yeah, they continue to go here for a little bit. Um, you know, I think you can debate where they, whether they go uh, 75 more or 50 more, but depend on the data. Uh, but then it's a long pause. You know, Reese, we just talked about Goldman Sachs and many others looking to cut their costs. Is cutting, and I hate to say this because you don't want any humans to be affected, is cutting costs the new growing earnings? I think it's going to be an important factor in 2023. I think revenues are, are definitely not going to grow like they, they like they did this year and the, and, the, and the year before. 
So I think those companies that can control their own destiny by cutting costs are going to outperform. You know, Reese, I'll come back to you because we look for opportunities. And I, and I just laid out how a lot of best ideas did, did terribly this year, along with the overall market, except for oil and gas. Everyone hated oil and gas a year ago. We're going to, quote, phase out fossil fuels. All they've done is print money. I think OPEC's probably going to defend the $75 price point. They've kind of made that clear. Are oil and gas stocks still a good investment going into next year? Yeah, I know it's tempting to want to rotate out, given how well oil and gas did relative. But as you're really an expert, Brian, um, in, in this in this area, and I do think you have the combination of China coming back. And I do think, obviously, everybody got sick in Beijing the last couple of days. But over the next month or two, uh, everyone will get COVID. And then I think there will be a reopening and you'll be parting like it's 1999 in Beijing and Shanghai by February, March. So I do think the oil demand story in China is going to improve. And it will help the fact that, that the U.S. is probably in a mild recession and Europe's in something worse than a mild recession. So I think that's point A. Point B, you have OPEC, as you point out, uh, will, will defend um, uh, this price. And then last, lastly, you have Biden uh, refilling the SPR under 70. So I think you do have basically a put on oil. And as long as the price of oil is uh, here to going up, I think these oil stocks work. Yeah, big balance there. Europe, they're in big trouble. China coming out. We'll see how that weighs on it. Uh, Brian, back to you. Yesterday or two days ago, gosh, at this hour, my, my brain has stopped working. I talked about expectations for next year for the equity market. They were low. I think most people would either say we're going to get a recession or a major slowdown. If that's the case, what do we do? do, do does our audience that's watching right now just buy a bunch of two-year treasury bonds and let it ride for the next two years? I mean, it's not the worst idea. Um, I think you've got to be opportunistic, though. So back in October, when the 10-year was four and a quarter, we were adding duration uh, pretty aggressively. At these levels, that's a little bit more difficult. But maybe you'll have another chance. Uh, I think also, you know, as you go into next year, those periods of stress where, you know, high-yield spreads widen out, those are periods to add. I think you just want to look for opportunities to add and lock in yield for longer periods of time, because I think a year, year and a half from now, those Fed funds are going to be a lot lower. The Fed's going to be cutting rates, and you're going to be wanting uh, those yields locked in rather than simply those short-term rates uh, that will be rolling off uh, in a year and a half, two years from now. All right, I've got about 30 seconds, Reese. Kind of give us your elevator pitch for 2023. I should invest in the markets because why? Well, here's what I think basically for the last 15 years, people have gotten out of the public markets and put the new money into into private markets, both equity and debt. And I think 23 could be the, the, the turnaround year for that, only because in 22, we've had a big correction in the public markets, both on the debt and the equity side. Uh, and, and I think that you have not had the same correction in private market valuations. I think the Blackstone read is a perfect example. It's as reportedly up 10 percent this yeah. year. A good mixture of apartment and industrial REITs publicly traded are probably down 25%. Are there underlying assets any different? Not very much, probably. So my get my point is, I think that you, well, have, you, you have that opportunity to improve in the public markets, at least relative, and I think that will help. All right, we'll leave it there. I'm getting the hook as well, guys, with the music. That's when, they, that's when you know you're done, when they, when they play the music in my ear as well. It's like, okay, stop talking. 
Reese and Brian both have a great day. Really appreciate your insight, folks. Thank you very much. Everybody out there watching or listening, commuting to work, whatever you're doing on the treadmill, thanks for watching Worldwide Exchange. Tomorrow, by the way, our insider buying segment is back, and there are some interesting names on the list this week. Trust me, we'll see you here for that. See you tomorrow. Squawk is next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.